morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our series entitled, Fear Not! Don't fear, don't worry, God is in control. How many of you know that fear is something uh, we all have at many times or sometimes experience? We, we talked a little bit last week about some of those challenges, whether it's uh, heights or spiders or, or darkness, whatever. I came across some very interesting phobias, some very interesting fears. Uh, let's see if you maybe know what they are or whether it, it affects you. I came across one entitled Pelatophobia. Pelatophobia is the fear of baldness and bald people. I did not know that was a fear. Apparently, it's a thing. There's also one called cheatophobia or cheatophobia. I might not be pronouncing it right, but it's the fear of hairy people. Not sure, but apparently it's a thing. Fear of baldness, fear of hairy people. There's porphyrophobia, the fear of the color purple. Fear of the color purple. There's odontophobia. Might be able to figure that one out. That is the fear of teeth. Odontophobia. There's graphophobia. It's the fear of writing in public. I know a lot of people have the fear of speaking in public. I'm not exactly sure how, how you write in public, but apparently it's a thing. Graphophobia is the fear of writing in public. Of course, phobophobia it's the fear of being afraid. Fear of being afraid. And, um, well, what do you call the irrational fear of Santa Claus? Claustrophobia, of course. Yes. I know there's all kinds of fears, all kinds of phobias. But in this series, what we're looking at, if you remember, we began it last week. And we're looking at three specific instances where God sent angels to earth to speak to some very important individuals. Each of these messages was about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And in each of them, at some point in time, the angels said, fear not, or don't be afraid. It's translated in some different ways and some different versions or uh, languages there. But the angels brought some big news and they said, fear not, fear not. So last week, we took a look at Mary. <clears throat> we saw the angel Gabriel that met Mary and said, fear not. And the big lesson was, fear not and trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. Now, next week, we're going to be examining the angel's visit to the shepherds in the fields. And we'll see their response. But this morning, I invite you to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the angel meeting Joseph. And he too was visited and heard those words, Fear not, don't be afraid. So we cover Mary last week. We look at Joseph this week. Many times, Mary gets a whole lot of coverage and, and certainly uh, definitely very worthwhile. Sometimes Mary is elevated above where she maybe ought to be. And in some cases, maybe we don't really understand how God has used her. But Mary gets a lot of coverage. Joseph, on the other hand, many times can get overlooked. So what do we know about Joseph? Certainly we know the angel's about ready to show up and, and meet him. But when it comes to Joseph, he as well was a young man. Now, last week we looked at Mary. We said Mary could be in that 12 to 16-year-old, that teenage, tween to teenage age. 
If we're taking a look at Joseph, most scholars would say he's probably a little bit older than that, maybe in that 16, 17 range. But certainly both in their teen years, both young. Some of you might be looking back. All of us, we look back and say, 16, 17. Oh, to be 16 or 17 again. <laughs> Some of you say, no, you're, you're done with that. But these are definitely young people that God has chosen to use. A young girl by the name of Mary. This week, we take a look at Joseph as a young man. From the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, it's traced all the way through. We see he's a descendant of the line of David, and, and that's important. There's prophecy that's a part of that. Matthew 13, 50, uh, 55 says that he was a carpenter, so a skilled and, and strong worker, skilled laborer. As we mentioned last week, both with Mary and with Joseph, they were poor. They did not have a lot. When they came to dedicate Jesus at the temple, they offered two doves. Those are the, the offerings, kind of the, uh, the most inexpensive way, the most inexpensive offerings to come and to bring them if you were not able to have some of these other animals. But probably one of the most interesting things, and, and maybe it's why he's overlooked a lot, is the fact that we have no recorded words by Joseph. Look throughout the scriptures. Now we assume, we believe that he can talk. We just don't have the recorded words. Certainly there is interaction with Mary as she's sharing about being pregnant. And certainly there is the interaction with the angel that we're about to see. And, and certainly we see Jesus being born. And all through Scripture, there's a, there's a number of places, but nowhere do we see actual words, actual quotes written down. This is what Joseph said. He, it's almost like he's the extra in the Christmas play. Right? We do Christmas plays at times, and, and most of the time, Joseph, he's just kind of there to stand by Mary who holds the baby. And the shepherds come in, and, and they've got lines, and the wise men come in, and they've got lines, and, and the angel has lines, and everybody's got lines, it seems, but Joseph just kind of stands there and looks fatherly-like. And so we're going to take a look at Joseph and this interaction with the angel, Matthew chapter 1, last week we saw that God challenges us to trust him no matter what. Well, this week I believe Jesus is teaching us to obey God no matter what. Obey God. So number one, Joseph teaches us to obey God even when his plans are different. Matthew 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Those were his plans. He's thinking this through. His plans are, I'm going to divorce her, but I will do it quietly. How many of you have had some plans, and then you realized or understood or recognized God's got some different kind of plans? Hands, hopefully, in the air, maybe on the inside, if not on the outside. 
We've had some ideas. We say, God, here's my plan. Here's what my life is going to look like. You know, as a young person, okay, I'm going to graduate high school. Maybe you're going to go to college. Maybe you're going to go to this job. And, and you've got your life all mapped out. And then God. Okay, so maybe you get into marriage. Or you get into your first job. And you say, okay, now, God, things are kind of settled. Now I've got my life all mapped out. And then God. Many times, his plans are different than ours. With Mary, we saw many times his timing is different. We take a look at Joseph, and we see many times his plans are different. Isaiah 55, 9 says, My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, hey, listen up. My plans, they're not always going to be the same as yours. It's not just about the timing of what happens, but my plans as a whole are oftentimes different. Now, understand, God has good plans. God's got good things in store for you and I, but many times those plans are different than what we're anticipating, than what we are scheduling, preparing, or planning. Understand this as well. God's plan is often bigger than our plan. God's plan's often bigger than what we had in mind. We, we had this nice, simple little thought, and God just kind of blows up our plan with his plan. And it seems bigger. It seems massive. It seems like we can't handle it. I'm sure as Mary had some thoughts or plans or dreams, Joseph probably did as well. As this betrothed husband, he, he probably had some thought of, of what that would look like and how he would prepare and, and provide for Mary as this skilled carpenter. And then those plans come crashing down as this wife-to-be is now pregnant, but not by him. God's plans were different than his. And not just the fact that he would have a boy, I mean... You know, it's 50-50, boy or girl, but not just any boy. This boy is going to be the savior of the universe. I don't think that's the plan Joseph had in store. So his plan is getting disrupted. God's plan is bigger, but through his plan, God blesses and takes care of you and I. God was going to bless Joseph and Mary, but his plan was bigger than just this little baby. To be able to raise, God was going to bless the entire world through his son. I believe God wants to use you and I to make an, an impact and make a difference. Sometimes our plan or our thought is, God, you can use me, you can guide me, you can direct me, and, and maybe you know, I'll have a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a blessing, or a little bit of an impact here. And God says, that's great, but I've, I've got a different set of plans, and I, I want to be able to touch other lives and more lives, and even in ways you had no estimation about. Many times, God's plans are bigger than our plan. But know this as well, God's plans are often more rewarding than our plans. His plans reap rewards and reap benefits, not just now, but in the future and eternity to come. Significance in life, satisfaction in life. God's plan is better. God's plan is more rewarding, even though many times it's not always easy. Came across this quote, and 
though it sounds redundant, it's pretty true. That God is a God of God-sized plans. I like that. Didn't come up with it, but I quoted it. God is a God of God-sized plans. We've got some big plans. Sometimes we've got big dreams. And then God kind of nudges us and says, hey, what about this? And we're like, whoa. When it comes from God, the plans from God, he is a God, not just of big things, big dreams, big vision, but a God of God-sized plans. That's really what this plan was. It's not just a baby that Joseph and Mary would be raising, but the Savior of the universe, God's Son, would be in Mary. Sometimes that's one of the ways that we really know God is moving or working is when that plan is big. He specializes in plans that sometimes kind of blow our minds, right? Sends our, our minds and our brains and our hearts and lives into overload. Sometimes we never, we never get beyond our own thinking. We think we've got to accomplish everything in our own power and our own wisdom and our own strength. And then a God-sized plan comes along. We say, there's no way I can do that. And God says, you're right. That's why it's God-sized. Not just supersized. It's God-sized. I'm, I'm here with my strength and my presence and my power to make it happen. I mean, think about it. A virgin giving birth to a baby. That's not just big. That's not just supersized. That is a God-sized, something only God can do. A God-sized plan. So here's Joseph in, in light of all of his plans. His plans are, wow, I did not see this coming. But my plan is, in light of the circumstances, I'm going to divorce her quietly. And God's saying, listen, Joseph, not just trust me no matter what, but obey me no matter what, even when his plans are different. Secondly, I believe that Joseph's life and Joseph's example encourage us to obey God even when it's difficult. Not just when his plans are different, but even when it's difficult. Verse 20, after he had considered this, after Joseph is considering all of this, he's listening. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, here it is, do not be afraid. Depending on your version, it'll say, fear not, Joseph. Fear not to take Mary home as your wife. He's been thinking, he's been contemplating, he's about to divorce her quietly. That seems to be a little bit of the easier route to take. And then the angel shows up and says, listen, don't be afraid, fear not, go ahead and marry Mary. Marry Mary. Joseph's his thinking seemed like there's just two options, right? I mean, he certainly didn't consider the third Pretty much, he's either going to divorce her publicly or divorce her quietly. It, it really didn't seem like there was maybe a whole lot of thought given to kind of sticking it out because, man, that was the worst or the hardest or the most difficult thing would be to go through this 
She, she's a marked woman. He'd be a marked man. Everybody would think that it was theirs, that they were immorally together sexually before this marriage. So in his mind, probably he's thinking, I can divorce her quietly and, and maybe that'll be the best for her, kind of maybe send her away, keep it quiet until the baby's born. Maybe that will go better for her. I could divorce her publicly, but that would subject her to public ridicule and humiliation and and the more public it could be, maybe in accordance with some of the Old Testament laws, some pretty severe consequences for her. Again, we talked a little bit last week, the, the stages here in this Jewish life and marriage are a little different than ours. We, you know, we kind of have the friends, and we kind of have dating, and then we kind of have you know, engaged and then we have marriage. And you get married, you have that certificate, you have the rings. But up until that marriage, anyone could say, hey, I'm done. This isn't a good idea. Or hey, it's not you, it's me. Oh, you could say any one of these things. And it's kind of no harm, no foul. Everybody walks away. They've got the engagement and the betrothal before the marriage. Well, they're in the, that second stage, that betrothal. It's, it's more of a legally binding stage than what we might consider our engagement. The way to break a betrothal is not just to say, well, I'm done. I, you know, wash my hands of this. You basically have to get a divorce. You're not married yet. You're betrothed. But legally, you've got more responsibilities to get out of it. So that betrothal, six months to a year or so, you're not living together. You are not sexually active. You're preparing. You're getting ready for marriage, getting ready for life. And when marriage happens, then you move forward together. So now, God's speaking to Joseph through the angel. And he says, listen, whether you consider this or not, marrying Mary is what I'm calling you to do. Your plans are to divorce her quietly. Fear not. Don't worry. Go home and don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. He's saying, I want you to not just trust me, but obey me, even though it might be difficult. Sometimes God might be calling us to do certain things. You read through his word, and that passage you want to skip over because it seems so hard. That passage where it feels like it's kind of a, a, a gut punch or it's kind of a, ooh, ow. We, we like to read over and dwell on the, the parts of God's word that we've already got down. Let me read that again because I'm doing this, God. But sometimes we read a passage of scripture and God nudges and, and, and the encouragement is live this out. Obey this. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And yet God's saying, not just trust me in this, but obey me in this. Here's Joseph. It's hard. It's difficult. It would be difficult enough just in divorcing her and going through that process with everybody knowing what's taking place. And now the angel's saying, marry her. Go home. Continue this betrothal period. And follow through with the plan and process of marrying her. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, the easy way or the easier way out is simply to say, I'll divorce her. I'll, I'll even do it quietly, privately. This is harder. And God's saying, trust and obey. Mary's an unwed mother. 
She's got a baby. Who in the world is going to believe that the two of them hadn't been doing something they shouldn't have been doing? You know how people, t people don't talk, do they? You know how people talk. Word spreads, right? I mean, gossip spreads like wildfire. Sometimes good gossip spreads, but the juicy gossip that we often don't want to spread spreads even faster. Do you think it was any different in Bible days? People are people. So everyone's going to be talking. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Mary's pregnant. She says it's not his. Joseph says it's not his, but you know, you know what I think. Tough, difficult. And the angel says, fear not. Yes, it's going to be hard, but obey. 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 Follow through. She's an unwed mother. She's pregnant. By the way, Joseph, you and Mary, you're going to be traveling many miles with her pregnant. Give birth in a stable, place your baby in a manger. Oh, and then you'll run and flee to Egypt for your lives. It's not an easy road that's ahead. And the angel, God's speaking through the angel to say, obey. Even many times it's difficult. You think they would have wondered why God allowed tough times? I mean, you've never wondered that, have you? We wonder that a lot. Why do I got to go through this? Why do tough times happen? It's the, it's the common question. Why does God let bad things happen? If God's God, God could keep this from happening. I bet Joseph and Mary were thinking that. I mean, God, this is, this is your son, your only son. Wouldn't you want to pull out all the stops and make life perfect? You wouldn't want this difficult life. You wouldn't want from the very beginning all this talk about Joseph and Mary and, and all the difficulty. I mean, there's not even going to be a room in the inn, God. We, must, we ask those questions. We wonder those things. I bet Joseph and, and Mary were asking some of these things too. The angel didn't give all the background, but he said, don't be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife. Marry her. Obey me, even though it's difficult. Many times those difficulties in life can stretch us and, and build character. And we say, God, I'm quite a character as it is. I don't need any more. Sometimes God continues to de desire to develop us, to strengthen us. We'd rather have the easy roads, rather have the easy way. And sometimes God guides us. And allows us to experience things. Not that he causes them all, but he allows us to experience these things. Will we trust and will we obey God no matter what? So from Joseph, I believe he's encouraging us, obey God even when God's plans are different. Obey God even though many times it's difficult. Thirdly, obey God even when you don't understand. Matthew 1, verse 20 now. The angel was speaking, said, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Here comes the details. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see from Joseph's example to obey God even when we don't understand. How many of you know everything about why God's asked you to do certain things? Many times we don't. And God's simply saying, trust and obey. We might not understand it all. Joseph's options, as we've talked about, his plans initially were to divorce her quietly. I mean, he's found out that this woman that he's betrothed to is pregnant. It's not his. She says it's God. From Joseph's perspective, and this would be maybe the, the human being's perspective, Joseph's probably thinking one of two things. Just being honest here. He's probably thinking, A, she's crazy, or B, she's a liar. Wouldn't that be human nature? Either she's crazy, I mean, crazy, delusional, I mean, seriously, Mary, you expect me to believe that you're pregnant, I know it wasn't me, you're saying there was no other guy, you're saying it's the Holy Spirit, something doesn't add up here. I mean, that sounds like science fiction to me, and science fiction hasn't even been invented, Mary. Crazy. Well, if she's not crazy, maybe his thought, are, his thought would be, she's lying. If she's not crazy and delusional, then maybe she's just lying. Maybe she's lying to try to protect my feelings or to, to try to make things work, but I, I sure think there's got to be some other guy. I mean, how else do you get pregnant? It just doesn't happen. Human perspective, Joseph might be thinking, she's either crazy or she's a liar. And the angel is here, and the angel says, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. And then the angel confirms the crazy story. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Give birth to a son, name him Jesus, save his people from their sins. God, through the angel, is saying to obey God no matter what, even when it doesn't always make sense. I say, God, that sounds crazy. You want me to do what? You're not just going to do what? I don't get it. Many times God's just simply saying, will you trust and obey even though you don't understand? How many of you would have wanted a detailed plan in advance? I mean, send me a text. Send me an email. Send me a, you know, this, this typed out curriculum that says step by step what's going to happen. We got one taker over here. Yeah, I mean, you would want some details, wouldn't you? I mean, what details did Joseph get? The baby is from the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a boy. Name him Jesus. Save his people from their sins. Uh, you good? Let's go. You think there would have been any other questions? I got a few. Okay, so you're saying this baby's from God. What do you mean by that? Okay, so... The babies of God, how in the world do we navigate the rest of this pregnancy when everyone else says we're either crazy or we're the liars? How do we navigate that? Angel, I don't hear you talking anything about that. How in the world am I going to raise someone who's the son of God, who's going to save people from their sins? Um, where's my baby manual, angel? <laughs> right? 
We, we want some details. And Joseph just gets some generalities, right? Many times you and I would refuse to move until we have all the details. God's nudging us and we say, okay, but God, I need more. God, I, I want you to tell me more before I'm going to obey, before I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Maybe, maybe the reason is we couldn't handle it. If God really told us everything that was going to happen, we'd be like, whoa, not me, God. Uh-uh. You mean this baby's going to end up on a cross? Woo, I'm not sure if I'm signing up for that. Some of the times, God's got some big plans, those God-sized plans. And if he would share everything about those plans, maybe we'd get a little scared, a little fearful to say, whoa, I don't know that I can do this. God just simply says, trust me and obey me. You might not understand everything. You might not comprehend it fully, but obey. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're in a situation and you don't really understand everything. God's kind of nudged or maybe prompted you a particular way and you're kind of, you're kind of stuck. You're like, uh-uh, I'm not moving. I need more details, God. Maybe his encouragement is simply to take that step and obey. We don't, we don't miss out. We can't go wrong when we obey what God says, even if we don't understand it all. Even if it's unbelievable, even if it's impossible. So we take a look at Joseph. He says, obey God, even when God's plans are different, even when it's difficult, even when you don't understand. Finally, obey God, even in the little things. So verse 24 and 25, the conclusion of this part of the Christmas story, it says, when Joseph woke up, God communicated to him through the angel and this, this vision, this dream. When he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Listen, Joseph is not a theologian. He was not a scholar of the law. He's a skilled carpenter working with his hands. And yet he simply says, God, I don't have all of these details. I'm simply going to obey. I might not understand it all. And God, in the big things as well as the little things, I'm going to follow through. There were a number of things he did that he obeyed. He took Mary home as his wife. That's a pretty big thing, don't you think? To walk through and to follow through that, that challenging road ahead of what, no matter what other people might think of him and her, I'm going to do what God's called me to. What else does it say? It says, he did not consummate their marriage. Again, during this betrothal period, they were separate. They were pure. They did not consummate. In other words, they did not have sex. How difficult would that have been at that point? I mean, God, she's already pregnant. Who's going to know? Big thing or little thing, Joseph even obeyed that. And then to the very end, it says that he named him Jesus. 
At, at no point does Joseph say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you in some of these big things, but let's, let's call an audible on the little things. I mean, taking her home as my wife, that's big. Not consummating the marriage when everyone else thinks we've already done it. I mean, that's pretty big. Let me have a little win, God. Let me name him Joey Jr. I mean, you owe it to me, God, right? I mean, little thing, little thing. From the big things to the little things, Joseph obeyed. Sometimes we can be a little selective. We can be a little picky about what we obey. And it really doesn't matter. For some people, maybe they will honor God in the big things. But the little things, they think, well, who cares about that? So I'll, I'll just do it on my own. Or maybe for other people, it's reversed. They'll honor God with the little things. But those, those big things that are a challenge, God, I don't know that I can commit to do that. Just in this couple of verses, we see a handful of things, big and little, that Joseph obeyed. Now, this was not the only time Joseph obeyed. Flip over to Matthew chapter 2. We fast forward in the Christmas story. The baby was born. Uh, the shepherds have come. Magi have come. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When they had gone, this is meaning the Magi, this is at a later period of time, they'd come to see them at the house. When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. Why? For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. You want to talk about obedience? This is immediate obedience. He didn't kind of get up and, and let, me, let me weigh out my options. Let me, let me make a list of pros and cons and see if obeying God's really in my best interest. He got up from the dream. Immediately, it says he took the child and his mother during the night. Didn't even wait till the morning. Immediately obeyed God. Now, we don't have, again, record of his words a few verses later, we have a, yet another instance of obedience. Drop down to Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. They left for Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill all the children, little boys. So verse 19 says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Different instances, every single time, Joseph obeyed. From the big things to the little things, he obeyed, and he did so right away. God was speaking to Joseph. Now, in these particular cases, he's speaking through him, through an angel in visions, through an angel in dreams. At times, maybe God continues to use those means to speak to us today. But many times, he's going to speak to us through his word. He's going to speak to us through prayer. He's going to speak to us through the preaching, through the teaching of God's word. See, he's, he's always speaking. The question is, are we listening and obeying? Joseph was faithful to obey right away. 
God's speaking to us. Are we willing to obey? God desires that obedience. Many have said that delayed obedience is disobedience. Say, ah, I'll do it, but I'll, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I want. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when it's easier. I'll, I'll do it if I have more information. God just simply says obey. And he desires that we would do that. What is it that God might be nudging or asking or, or tugging upon your heart to do or to obey? Maybe it's forgiveness. Somebody in your life, God's wanting you to, to reach out and forgive. Maybe it's ministry. God nudging or encouraging you to get plugged in and involved in the church or get involved in something in, in the, uh, the local level, reaching out to others. Maybe it's giving. God speaking or teaching about it and, and maybe in your heart been resisting that. Maybe it's sharing Christ. Hesitant to share your story. Hesitant to, to talk to somebody about God. Hesitant to invite somebody to church. Understand this. Extraordinary acts of God begin with a simple act of obedience. We want the extraordinary acts of God. God, we pray for your favor. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your healing. We pray for your provision. God, do mighty things. Many times those mighty things begin with a simple act. A simple act of faith. A simple act of obedience. We don't know what we set into motion with a simple act of obedience. We don't know what God might begin to do and work and move upon our hearts and lives and on our behalf, even with that simple act of obedience. Maybe that simple act of forgiveness opens up a brand new friendship or relationship or something that's never existed there before. Maybe taking that step of faith and obedience to ministry opens up an avenue or area of using gifts and talents for the Lord you hadn't thought about in the church or in the community. Giving, as we see in God's word, opens up the blessings and floodgates of heaven. Sharing Christ, wow. Who knows, but that one simple step of obedience to invite somebody to church or Talk to somebody about Jesus. God might be using you to change their eternity. The eternity of, of their entire family, perhaps, as a result. We don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. He just calls us to obey. We don't have to see the entire picture before we start with that first little puzzle piece. We don't have to visualize the entire staircase before we, by faith and obedience, take the first step. He simply calls us to obey. Here's the thing. He's just called us to obedience. That's our responsibility. Obedience is up to me. Obedience is my responsibility. The outcome, the result, that's up to God. That's his responsibility. If he's called us to obey, if he's nudged us to obey, we're simply called to take that step, obey him, leave the outcome, leave the results 
to him. We don't lose out when we obey. The life and the example of Mary, we're encouraged to trust God no matter what. Life and example of Joseph, obey God. Even when his plans are different, even when it might be difficult, even when you don't understand, and even in the little things. 